Welcome to the Father Jim Willig Gospel Teachings Podcast, presented by Heart to Heart, a Catholic media ministry. Father Jim was a well-known and much-loved diocesan priest from Cincinnati, Ohio. Inspired by God's Word, for many years, Father Jim presented a weekly Bible study on the Sunday Gospels. In 2001, Father Jim went home to the Lord after a battle with cancer, but his recordings and teachings live on to inspire thousands. First, we hear from Father Jim's good friend, Jesuit priest, Father Michael Sparrow, who opens this podcast by proclaiming the gospel reading. Then, Father Jim's illuminating gospel teaching follows. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to the chief priests and elders of the people, Hear another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a hedge around it, dug a winepress in it, and built a tower. Then he leased it to tenants and went on a journey. When vintage time drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to obtain his produce. But the tenants seized the servants, and one they beat, another they killed, and a third they stoned. Again, he sent other servants, more numerous than the first ones, but they treated them in the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, thinking, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and acquire his inheritance. They seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. What will the owner of the vineyard do to those tenants when he comes? They answered him, He will put those wretched men to a wretched death and lease his vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at the proper times. Jesus said to them, Did you never read in the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. By the Lord has this been done, and it is wonderful in our eyes. Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that will produce its fruit. The Gospel of the Lord. We had seen and heard and read in the news the horrible and awful reports of the random shooting and killing of perfectly innocent citizens in our own city of Cincinnati. And I'm sure it must alarm you, as I hope it does sound an alarm throughout our whole nation, that violence is killing us. Amen? It is way out of hand. Violence is killing us, and it's taking all of us prisoners of fear. Amen? We have got a problem on our hands, brothers and sisters. That is no news to anybody. But how in the world can we contain and control such a vicious cycle of violence that seems to be escalating and increasing 
evermore. This is the topic I wish to address that I would suggest is addressed implicitly in the gospel parable that Jesus presents us this Sunday. As always, I would like to begin by setting a little background of information that will help us to see through the eyes of Jesus what he would have seen in his day and age, that we could truly appreciate what's going on here so that we could understand what's going on here and now. In the time of Christ, the parable would have been most familiar to first century Palestinians as the system of absentee landlords was the common practice of the day. That is to say, there were many landowners who would rent out their farms or vineyards, in this case, to tenant farmers who obviously would take care of the land or the vineyard and then would do the work of the owner for a particular fee or percentage of the harvest. Typically, during harvest time, the landowner would send his servants or messengers to collect their share of the harvest, which was the largest bulk of the harvest you could imagine. In this particular gospel parable, we see that this story Jesus tells of the tenant farmers, it's evident that they were so frustrated and felt even so desperate that they turned to violence. And when it came to harvest time, and the owner of the vineyard sent the customary servants or messengers for his share, the largest portion of the harvest, the tenant farmers decided first to beat and then stone and then kill this group of messengers. You can imagine the feeling and the reaction of the landowner, completely appalled by such behavior. And so he sends a second group of messengers, his servants, to again ask for what he considers a just response and again, the tenant farmers plot their evil scheme and beat and stone and kill the second group. Finally, the landowner is so beside himself, he doesn't know what to do except to send his own son, thinking, surely they will respect my son. But when the tenant farmers saw the son, they said, let us kill him. For if we kill him, then, then this land will be ours. If you will, these grape harvesters had not only turned sour, these grapes were now wild, wild in their own evil schemes. Then Jesus says in telling this story, almost imagining that he's leading us on, what do you think the landowner will do to those tenants when he comes. He's leading us on. This story is a setup. Naturally, you could say, thinking to yourself when you hear that story, those tenant farmers couldn't imagine that they were going to get away with this. They didn't forget that this vineyard was owned by someone who was above them. 
who would extract justice from them. I mean, they really didn't think they could get away with this, did they? And so Jesus turns to the people to whom he addressed this parable, the chief priests and leaders of Israel. And he says, and what do you think will come of them? They immediately, spontaneously respond, he will bring that wicked crowd to a bad end and lease his vineyard out to others who will see to it that he will have grapes at vintage time. And now for the punchline, Jesus hits them with, and you are that wicked crowd. And a bad end is in store for you unless you repent and change your ways. Wow. Hold that thought for a moment. As I want to just explain a little more about this parable. In view of salvation history, I would suggest what looks at first glance like a parable may begin to appear to be more like an allegory after a while. A parable, you might know, makes a single point, whereas an allegory, everything in a story has a special meaning. And it can be seen in some allegorical significance if we understand, as you might remember from last week, that the vineyard is a symbol for Israel. And the owner of the vineyard is God, who holds the whole world in his hands. The tenant farmers are the chief priests and leaders in charge of the religious leadership of the people of Israel, the vineyard, if you will. And who then are the servants of the owner, whom the owner sends as messengers, but the prophets, whom God has continually sent to his people to call forth a harvest of justice. And of course, the owner's son, you already know, is none other than the son of God, Jesus Christ, whom the tenant farmers, the religious leaders of Israel, had killed. The new tenant farmers that Jesus came to replace because they showed no sense of responsibility could be seen as the apostles of the new vineyard, the church. The old lease we could recognize as the old covenant, and the new lease given to the church is the new covenant made in the blood of Jesus, the Son of God. What I'm suggesting here is in this certain allegorical parable is a beautiful summary of salvation history. It's like, I call it McBible, the whole Bible in a capsule. <laughs> and as such, the Bible always reflects to us who is God and who are we as God's children. In this story, we can see that God is like a perfect parent who on the one hand is persistently patient, but on the other hand is always responsible and calls us to be accountable. As a perfect parent, God sends Israel of old and the church of today prophets and messengers to call us to be aware of what is God's and how we need to live according to God's ways in God's justice. We are asked to bear the fruit of the Spirit, to which the prophets keep reminding us time and again. But time and again, all through biblical history, as well as today's history, the prophets 
are often rejected and often killed. And as a responsible parent, like any of you who would be in the charge of raising your children, you just can't sit by and allow your children to self-destruct themselves. Despite your persistent pleading and patient communicating, there comes a time when you have to hold your children responsible for their own actions. And this is what God wants to say yesterday and today. That yes, we are free to make choices, but our choices have consequences. And we need to realize this, lest the ending of the parable be the prophecy of our own end, that God would bring us all to a bad end. Not that. It's God who's bringing this about, but our actions bring it on ourselves. Does this make sense? I often think of my former students whom I taught, tried to teach religion, <laughs> and they would say to me around the end of the quarter, how can you possibly flunk somebody in religion? <laughs> and I say, you're right, I couldn't possibly do that. You could only do that to yourselves. <laughs> Just as God could never send anyone to hell, nor would he condemn anyone, but your actions condemn yourselves. And in this story, it's our own violence that's doing such violence to ourselves. And it is God who's trying to sound the alarm to today's society to say, wake up. This is a fire drill. We are killing ourselves. And what I've come here to say today is that I believe with all my heart that this parable of the tenant farmers who are killing the messengers of God is happening in our city and in our country today. Amen? I look around. I see in the newspaper. I watch the news at night. And I see the increasing violence and murder that's killing the soul of our nation. And I say, we are bringing ourselves to a bad end unless we end violence and try to bring a turnaround, a conversion, a repentance of our ways. Of course, that begs the next question, what can we possibly do? We, who obviously are here today, not the perpetrators but often the victims of such violence, what can we possibly do? This Sunday, in most all of our churches throughout the country, as we listen to this particular parable of the tenant farmers, we are also commemorating Respect Life Sunday. Maybe that's what this parable could be subtitled, Respect Life lest we all come to a bad end. Are you with me? There is something that one person can do, and even more that people can do together. And I would suggest this. Of ourselves, we can really do nothing, but with God, nothing is impossible. So the gospel tells us. And it seems that God's way of addressing evil is to find someone 
who has the courage and commitment to stand up and be a servant of the Lord and allow themselves to have God use them to go and be a messenger of the Lord to his people. Is there such a servant of the Lord here today? Could you not be that messenger of the Lord to your family, to where you work? I think of the young businessmen who are with us today, and what a blessing it is to have you with us, and knowing that you take the gospel back to the marketplace with you, to the working women among us. What a blessing it is that you could first receive this message and then take this message to the people to whom you communicate and relate, to the parents among us, and to the grandparents who, who have been, I believe, the people who have truly handed on the faith to their children and children's children more effectively than any other portion of the Catholic population or Christian people that I know. It is you who are the true evangelists and prophets of today. But today... As we all look to this parable and remind ourselves we need to respect life, I would call us all to be convicted again of this gospel, a gospel that's been told us by the prophets down through the ages in the church, that all life is sacred from the womb to the tomb. And we need to herald this message powerfully and clearly and persistently in our country like never before. Are you with me? We need, brothers and sisters, people who are willing to stand up and speak out against this country that is becoming more and more pro-choice. That is to say, singing, I'll do it my way. I'll make my own decisions, thank you. And it's my body we need to stand up and say, as Christians, we give up our choice to follow the will of God. We give up our way to do things God's way. And God's way always works better and brings us to the good end. And if we follow our way, anyone who's lived life long enough knows it leads us down to a dead end to which we see so many signs around us of the violence that's threatening the peace and even existence of any kind of a community. And so I say, we need more men and women to stand up and come forward today to be willing to communicate that our society bent on choosing to end life that this will bring the whole nation to a bad end. For in taking the life of anyone, it will diminish the quality of life for everyone. We need more messengers and people and prophets who will speak out to the tenant farmers in our country, in our government, in our workplace, and even in our churches to say that we cannot morally nor financially support abortion. We cannot support any kind of euthanasia for it to take life at anywhere on the spectrum of the life board is wrong. Only God controls life. And so we say it is wrong to diminish the life of anyone, be it an elderly person, a poor person, or I even add, though it may challenge your thinking this day, 
a criminal person. Don't ever forget, Jesus himself suffered capital punishment. And in my mind, though, these lives may be guilty of their sins, it seems morally questionable to me whether we have that right to take their life. Not to say that we should just let him run loose on parole. For many people are psychopathic and sociopathic and are bound to repeat their offense. And for that reason, if we're serious about being respecting life in all forms, we need to be more committed to protecting those who have been abused by crime and victims of violence both domestically, which you might know is the worst place for violence to happen, the most common place for this parable to be relived again and again. We need to stand up and protect those who have been sexually abused, physically abused, emotionally abused, verbally abused, where it's at home or the workplace or any place. We need to stand up and speak out against violence of any sort. Are you ready to do that? We need, if we're going to do this, then then be protectors of our children, who, as you well know, sit before the television more than before their teachers. And is there someone here today who will carry the message to our television networks that we are sick and tired of the violence and sexual promiscuity on television? Are you ready and willing to allow the Lord to use you? Sometimes one person can make quite a difference. Though I agree that it's always not so simple a solution, but that we need to begin this movement to see that this nation is not brought to a bad end by the violence that seems to be ending this peaceful community that we once knew and lived. Let me end with this final word. As I was preparing these thoughts, my mind raced back to a memory of a time when I thought I was looking at a messenger and prophet that God has sent to this world to wake us up. Some years ago, at an international symposium on world hunger, the leaders of our nations invited Mother Teresa to speak before the world and to bring our attention to the rights of every person. I'll never forget, as I viewed this on television, she took the microphone in her hand, left the pulpit, knelt down on her knees, and before all these sophisticated leaders of government and world organizations, on her knees she begged them to stop aborting their babies, to stop rejecting God's little people, be they unborn or elderly or impoverished, are hungry, and she added, I beg you in the name of Jesus Christ, send these people to me, and my sisters and I will take care of them. I remember watching and hearing that as if it was 
Jesus Christ himself, wanting the Son of God, getting down on his knees and begging us to please stop this violence. From the womb to the tomb, be it abortion or euthanasia, be it poverty or the way we mistreat each other in many forms of abuse, be it however that violence plays out in our society, we need to stop it before it puts a bad end to all of us. So, before we end today, I feel I want to invite us, if you wish, to get down on our knees to pray for the conversion of our nation, to pray that the bad end does not end there, but that we have a conversion of heart and mind and a new commitment deep within us to go forth from here today to be the messengers of the Lord, to respect life wherever we see it, however we experience it, and that God will use us to work miracles to bring about the kind of world He created us to be. Thank you for listening to Father Jim's Gospel Teaching. We hope you have been inspired and will subscribe to this weekly podcast and share it with your family and friends. The mission of Heart to Heart is to proclaim the good news of God's Son, Jesus, to the entire world. For more inspirational teachings by Father Jim and Father Michael, visit our website, www.htoh.us. May God bless your heart and the hearts of all your loved ones.